Good morning, Bryansburg. And we want to welcome you to our 90th year celebration here in 2022 of Bryansburg Baptist Church as we minister right here in the middle of Marshall County and from here go into our Commonwealth, the nation, and around the world. And so thankful for the last 90 years and looking forward to the next 90 years the Lord has for us in impacting uh, our community and the world for Christ. And this morning, those of you that are joining us through television or through Facebook Live, we want to welcome you today. I'm Brother Brad Walker. I am the pastor here at Brian's for Baptist Church, and we're very glad to have you with us. Uh, and th those of you on Facebook Live there in the comment section, uh, put your name in there. Let us know that you're with us. If there's a prayer need that you have, reach out to us in that way as well. We've got folks that are monitoring that and would love to be able to interact with you in that way. And we have a lot of folks that I don't necessarily say I'd call visitors, uh, but family and friends that may be uh, going to churches other places and back for homecoming today. And uh, we want to welcome you today. Maybe this is your first opportunity to be here at Brinesburg. We want to welcome you as well. And there in the pew in front of you, you're going to find a card if you'll fill that out and then place it in that offering plate in the uh, big round table in the foyer as you're leaving. We appreciate that. Helps us to know of your attendance, but more important to us, helps us to know how we can pray for you and how we can minister to you and your family. And we are very glad to have you this morning. And uh, so thankful for the way that we have already had the opportunity to worship this morning. Uh, have you been thankful to have a Servant's Heart Quartet with us this morning? Amen. They've done a great job already. Amen. And uh, they'll be sharing with us here in just a little bit uh, as uh, we begin uh, uh, service together today. And what a blessing it's been already. And then also we're going to have Steve Rice with us to bring the message. And I've known... Uh, Brother Steve, for quite some time, as I've been on the mission board through the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and he is the team leader uh, for consulting and church re revitalization, and thanks so much, uh, Brother Steve, and I appreciate him so much, and so excited to have him be able to share with us today. Uh, this morning, we do have a, a couple of announcements that I'd like to uh, point out to you today as well. Um, you may have noticed in the foyer, there is a sign-up sheet for our parent and youth luncheon as we kick off the fall semester. And that'll be on September 11 at the end of the morning service over in the activity center. They'll be having a luncheon. And uh, please do sign up so they know how many to plan for uh, for that. Also, our deacon ordination coming up on the night of September 11 at 6 p.m. And uh, we'll be ordaining Ricky Moore and uh, Danny Simmons. And so uh, come and encourage them. And uh, looking forward to that special time together as well. Uh, we certainly have many on our prayer list again this week. And we know that we have many who are... Uh, struggling health-wise, many who are facing surgeries and procedures, uh, others who are facing uh, relational issues inside their families, financial issues, but we recognize that our greatest need again today is to see our loved ones who do not yet have a relationship with Christ come to know him, uh, that we might have gospel conversations, that we might see uh, those who are lost come into a, a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, this morning, we want to pray for those opportunities again this week, recognizing that the Holy Spirit has to move on their hearts for them to be saved. Uh, but the Lord has called us to be obedient in sharing that gospel message. And so we want to pray uh, for those again this morning as well. And so recognizing all of those needs today and uh, thanking the Lord for all that he has done for us in the, in the last week and recognizing the blessings that will come in this coming week, uh, let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we thank you for a day that's called homecoming. Lord, we thank you for that because, Lord, you have given us a family that's beyond just those who share our name or our bloodline. Lord, you have given us a family of faith. You've given us others to share life with. 
Lord, through the good times of celebration and through the difficult times of tears. And Lord, this morning on this homecoming of the 90th year of ministry here at Brownsburg Baptist Church, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the lives that have been eternally changed because of the ministry of those who have come before us. Lord, we thank you for the countless mission trips that have been gone on and the folks that have been able to hear about Jesus because of faithful folks who have given of their time and of their financial resources to go and to tell. But Lord, we recognize that the greatest days for this ministry are yet ahead. Lord, there are still so many within this county and within this state and nation and the world who still need to hear that precious gospel message that Jesus Christ came and he lived a sinless, perfect life, that he went to the cross and he died in our stead. Lord, through his blood, you, you paid our sin debt. Dead and buried for three days, but on that third day arose victorious. Lord, that message has to be shared. Lord, and so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you're going to give us today and in the coming week and in the coming months and years. And, Lord, so as we continue to sing and to praise you, and as uh, Brother Steve comes here in a moment, Lord, I pray you speak through him in a powerful way. And, Lord, even today, that we would see lives changed for eternity. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand again. Let me see this great song, Days of Elijah. He's coming back.
Would you make welcome again Servant Park as they come back to sing for us? area, and we appreciate the opportunity to come sing for you. A couple of songs.
song, The Haven of Rest. If I could sing that song, good one, good one. Every concert we've done, every singing we've done since we've been singing six years now, uh, we've ended it, as far as I can recall, with this song. And I like to say with this song, uh, primarily we're not an evangelistic group. That is, we don't come to seeking to save you we come to lift you up so that you can be a part of that seeking and saving and ministering every day as you go uh, through the week today and with that said uh, we're all Christians we can point to a time when Christ entered our heart uh, I was at home my dad led me in the Lord when I was 12 years old long long time ago but uh, if you've experienced all those things if you have Christ in your heart you can sing this song with us and mean the words if you don't have Christ, you'll have an opportunity today before the day's over that you can have Christ in your heart. Uh, so just open to whatever the Lord leads you today. But if you are a Christian today, you can sing this song with us. If you're not, we hope that you will be. Listen to the words, I am your door. slave in a foreign land so very far from the father's loving hand he rescued me one glorious day he bought me out paid the day chains of sin and set me free. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Jesus loosed the chains of sin and set me And soon I'll join the robed in white. 
Well, good morning, church. <clears throat> Thank you, servant's heart. Appreciate that so very much. You can hear my gravelly voice. I apologize for that. I do not have COVID. I tested negative. Every time you get a little something, you feel like you should test, especially if you're going into a church. I would not want to bring that in, and uh, I would have hated to make the call pastor and say, hey, I can't come at the last minute. But uh, it's so good to be with you. Thank you, Servant's Heart. We were sitting in the back, my wife and I, and I leaned over and I said, who do you think's the best singer on the stage? And she said, it's hard to tell. They're all so good. Uh, she said, I like the baritone a lot. He's good. The tenor's good. The bass is good. And I said, well, I really like uh, the alto. And then I said, well, we definitely know who the best looking is on the stage. And that would be the alto. So uh, can I get an amen on that? All right. And I, I'm sure these guys don't disagree with that. So good to be with you. Pastor Brad, thank you for inviting me. Uh, what a joy uh, to be here. I bring you greetings from Dr. Todd Gray. I know that you know him here in this area. He's a West Kentucky uh, transplant now in Louisville, Kentucky, doing a great job as our executive director. I used to be his boss when he was a regional consultant, and now he's my boss. So I'm so glad I was good to him when he was a regional consultant. He was a great regional consultant, and then a colleague as a, a team leader on the evangelism team, and now doing great work uh, emphasizing evangelism as our executive uh, director. Thank you, uh, Bryansburg Baptist Church. I've got one of those uh, apps on my GPS that has uh, an English accent, and, and she didn't pronounce Bryansburg Baptist Church like that. I forget how she said it, but we laughed every time she would say uh, Bryansburg Baptist Church. Founded in 1932, celebrating your 90th anniversary. Happy anniversary. That's amazing. Uh, 90 years sharing the gospel in this place. Pastor Brad, been here since 2010, 12 years. You're just getting started compared to some of the length of pastors uh, in this church. Uh, I hope you know how highly respected your pastor is by those who know him around the state. Uh, certainly our KBC staff, he's highly respected has served on our mission board. He's chaired the committee that relates to the team I lead and did just a marvelous job uh, doing that. Uh, and you and your pastor are amazing partners. We have this tool called the SBC Workspace. And we can look up any church in the Southern Baptist Convention and of course in the Kentucky Baptist Convention. So when I'm coming to a church to 
preach, I generally will get on there. I'll read the notes of others who've maybe been there recently from our staff. And then I'll look at <clears throat> some of the numbers uh, from the past, missions numbers and baptismal numbers. And when I looked at the numbers for Bryansburg Baptist Church, I did a double take. I knew you were a great mission-minded church, uh, but I did not know just how great of a mission-minded church you have been through the years. Over $4.5 million given through the cooperative program to support mission work. And that doesn't include what you would have given to Lottie Moon and other mission offerings. And you've gone yourself and served uh, on the mission field. And that's just an amazing accomplishment. And I know you would not want to give yourself a hand for that, but would you give the Lord a hand for what he's done in, the area, in that area? I would say that Bryansburg Baptist Church, you're one of, if not the most, mission-minded church in the Kentucky Baptist Convention. You know what so many churches need to know, that being mission-minded is a biblical mandate. It honors the Lord and pleases the Lord when we have a mission mindset. And so today, I thought an appropriate passage would be the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Would you turn there? You know this passage by memory, no doubt. Let me just remind you of the background. Three and a half years earlier, Jesus moved from Nazareth to Capernaum and launched his public ministry. He called 12 men to be his closest disciples. During the last three and a half years, they spent most of their time together. They saw Jesus perform miracles, but mostly they heard him teach. On Friday at about 4 p.m., Jesus died on the cross. You and I know, as Pastor alluded to earlier, he didn't die because he had done anything wrong. He died for you and for me because we are lost without God. We're, we're born into sin, and had we not born into sin... Romans 5.12, inheriting Roman, the, the sin seed of Adam, we would have sinned ourselves because we'd go astray from the womb. And we need a Savior in order to be saved. And so Jesus died on the cross. 38 hours later, sometime around dawn on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And an angel told them, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Go tell his disciples. And I love this next phrase in the text. It reads like this. Afraid, who wouldn't have been afraid? Yet filled with joy, they ran to tell the disciples. But as they turned to run to tell the disciples about Jesus, they turned and ran into Jesus. And Jesus said, greetings. And they bowed and clasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus told them, go tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. And that's where we pick up the text, Matthew 28, verse 16. 
Then the 11 disciples, notice 11, not 12, because Jesus had already, Judas had already committed suicide. And because Matthias is not chosen until Acts 1 after the ascension. By the way, the word of God is true. The word of God is accurate. The word of God is breathed from God. It's inerrant without error. And so God knew 11, so that's why the scripture says 11. The numbers are accurate because God's word is accurate. They went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed them. Now this happened probably about a week after the resurrection because it was a 120-mile trip north from Jerusalem to Galilee where they lived. Typically they would walk about 20 miles per day when they would travel on foot. Verse 17, when they saw him, Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now we could be hypercritical there, but the Greek word is the word distazo for doubted, and it really refers more to hesitation than to unbelief. It probably seemed too good to be true that their Savior who was definitely dead is now definitely alive and standing in front of them. What an amazing moment that must have been. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. At this pivotal point, before eventually ascending into heaven, Jesus gives the disciples three key reminders. I believe all of these things, Pastor, are things he had already taught them. They're things that he had modeled to them. He, he had driven these points home numerous times. But they were so paramount and so pivotal to the movement of the church that was about to take place that he wanted to drive these things home one more time. Key reminders for these disciples. This is a great church, a, a mission-minded church. And, and you know these things, but as you move into year 91 and you're looking to be as faithful as possible to Jesus, it's always good to be reminded of things that are paramount, things that are most important. And so let's consider some reminders, key reminders about the mission. First, he reminds them about his power for the mission. Verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now Jesus had taught them about his power. He said, if you see me, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. He identified himself with the Holy Spirit, saying, I'm now with you, but I will be in you. So he had taught them about his power. They had seen evidence of his power. They saw him turn water into wine. 
They were there when he gave sight to the blind. They witnessed the infected skin of the lepers become perfect and unblemished. They heard him say, Lazarus, come forth. And a man who had been dead for four days walked out of the grave. And no smell of death was on him. They're looking at him now, alive, after coming back from the dead himself. So they had heard him teach about his power. They saw evidence of his power still yet. Still yet. He reminds them about his power. Now why is that? I think because he was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, because he could see the future and he knew all except one would die a martyr's death. He knew the church would face great persecution. He knew there would be times when they would need every possible reminder about his power. And there are times when we need to be reminded about God's power as well. When your company books are in the red, when the pink slips in your box, when the doctor says, I'm sorry, but it's cancer. When your child strays, when your spouse has an affair, when a tornado destroys your home or your steeple or your town, we need to be reminded of God's power. And notice that phrase, all authority. And I love that it's the very first thing he said to them. He led with that. His authority during his earthly ministry had been great. He had authority over demons, disease, sin, sickness, death. But listen what A.T. Robertson writes in word pictures about that phrase, all authority. And I quote, Jesus came close to them and made this astounding claim. He spoke as one already in heaven with a worldwide outlook and with the resources of heaven at his command. His authority or power in his earthly life had been great. Now it is boundless and includes earth and heaven. He reminds them, men, I have power for the mission. He also reminded them about his priorities for the mission. Verse 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. He, he had taught them about those priorities. They were with him as he demonstrated going himself, making disciples himself, still Yet, he verbally, personally, at a pivotal time, reminds them about the priorities for the mission. That phrase, disciples, you're probably aware that the Greek word there is the word methetes, and it simply means a learner. It doesn't imply that you've already arrived. Yes, you're already fully saved, and you can't lose your salvation, but you're not fully like Jesus yet. It's a process. 
It's not someone who knows everything. It's someone who's progressing, someone who's becoming, someone who's growing. Learning to be like Jesus is not an event, a one-time event. It's a lifelong process. But make no mistake, the process begins when someone is saved. And that is a one-time event. When we realize we're lost, we're undone, there's no hope. We can't work our way to heaven. Over in the mountains, we used to say, I remember saying it many times, I'm from eastern Kentucky, as a young preacher, you get these phrases and you like those phrases. And, and I heard it somewhere and I picked it up. I would say, you can't work your way to heaven. You can work your fingers down to the bones and go to hell with bony fingers. But if you're going to be saved, you have to be saved through the work that Jesus did on the cross. That's a one-time event when we repent of our sins drawn by the Holy Spirit and give our lives to Jesus. But discipleship is a lifelong process. But notice Jesus gives two indicators that we're succeeding in the mission or the assignment. One is baptism. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, Baptism is important. These are not my words. These are the, <coughs> the words of Jesus. So if you're here today and you're a Christian and you've never been baptized, I can just say on the authority of the word, you should be baptized. Every Christian should be baptized if it's physically possible for them to be baptized. That's why we emphasize it. But who do we baptize? We baptize typically new believers, and we only baptize believers, right? Those who have put their faith in Christ. So this represents the evangelistic process. It represents sharing our faith and seeing people come to Christ as new believers and, and new creations in Christ, born again, as we read in John 3, and then we baptize those new believers symbolizing that they've died to the old life, raised to walk the new life, and they're identifying with the death, burial, and ultimately the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So that represents baptism. And then he says teaching. That's another indicator. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching what? Teaching what he commanded. And what is that? That's the word of God. Teaching the word of God. Teaching the Bible. One of the most important things your pastor will do is to teach and preach the Bible. It's not the only important things he will do. Visiting the sick, some of the meetings that he leads, meetings that he is in that he doesn't lead, getting to reach out in the community. Obviously evangelism is important. But one of the most important things he will do is to teach and preach the Bible. And so Jesus is telling the disciples to give priority to evangelism and discipleship. It's good from time to time to be reminded that that is the mission. To win people to Christ and then to teach them to follow Jesus with their lives. 
in my role as team leader of the church consulting and revitalization team, I have six regional consultants. I think you know uh, Dr. Larry Purcell. Some of you may not admit that in public, and I get that. Uh, but you know him. He's our regional consultant here in the West. And, and you, they, they work with churches all over the state in their regions, and we have them located all over the state. You won't be shocked that our work has confirmed that Jesus actually knew what he was talking about in this passage. That if a church will focus on evangelism and discipleship, it's not all they do, but it's some of the most important things they do, then that church will be blessed. When we work with churches, some of my work works with churches that are going through conflict. When I work with a church that's going through conflict, you can almost 100% of the time guarantee that their focus has not recently been evangelism and discipleship. They got sidetracked. They, they started climbing some ladder just to find that when they reached the top, it was propped up against the wrong wall. Going down some side street that won't make one iota of a difference throughout eternity. And I just remind you, this great church, this great mission-minded church, always focus on evangelism and discipleship. That's what mission work is. When you go and you serve, ultimately you may be helping people to be fed. You may be rebuilding in an area, but the more over lofted goal is to win people to Jesus through so they can spend eternity in heaven. The priorities of the mission. Well, my voice has held up kind of so far. That's good. Let me finish with this last reminder. His presence for the mission. Look at verse 20, Matthew 28. I love this. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Did you notice how Matthew closed? Catch that that's the end of Matthew's gospel. He closed his gospel with these words from Jesus. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those who study the book of Matthew quickly remember that and identify that that verse links back to Matthew 1, 23. Matthew 1, 23 reads like this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, which means God with Name him God with us. Jesus said, Lo, I'm always with you, even to the end 
of the age. I love that. Don't you love how the Holy Spirit has written God's word? Bookends of the Gospel of Matthew. I am with you. And I will always be with you. He reminds them about his presence. This past March, my dad turned 94 years old. When you think 94, you need to picture 74. And a young 74 at that. My dad retired down on Watts Bar Lake in Tennessee. We always vacationed there as kids. And, and that's the only place we ever vacationed. We never went to Florida. We never went to Ohio. We never went. Of course, why would you go to Ohio on a vacation? Uh, we just went to Tennessee. And we always went to the same lake, Ara, uh, Watts Bar Lake, about an hour west of Knoxville. And we always stayed at the same resort, Arrowhead Resort. My dad, in retirement, decided to buy a home on a lake in Tennessee. I'll give you one guess, what lake? Yeah, Watts Bar Lake. And he happened to buy his home on the same slough across from a resort on the lake. Give you one guess, which resort? Arrowhead Resort. I could take a bait casting reel with a medium weight plug and cast and hit the roof of Arrowhead Resort's boathouse. Got a beautiful view there. Until recently, my dad had the mowing contract on two yards next to him. Now, 94, picture that, because those folks were too old to take care of their place. <laughs> and they didn't do a well enough job, and so he'd just mow it for them. Of course, he charged them a little something, but he wanted it to look good because his yard always looked good. My dad recently took a fall. We, we didn't even know it. He didn't tell us, and all of a sudden, he was becoming very confused, and we knew something was wrong, and so we took him to the emergency room, and sure enough, it gathered a lot of blood up in his head, and the prognosis was uh, kind of mixed. It, it was, uh, was kind of medium to it might be kind of good. Uh, but they had to go in and do, do surgery, drain, drain that blood out. And, and uh, he's doing pretty well, and, and we're keeping an eye on him. I run down most weekends if I'm not preaching, and my sister lives about 90 minutes away, and she's keeping an eye, eye on him during the week. And so he's not quite like 74 now. He's, he's more like about 84, and still able to do a lot. But as a boy, I always felt better with my dad around. I could remember learning to ride a bike, and, and uh, I wasn't one of those that, that rode it perfectly first time. I can remember crashing a few times, and, and my dad would run and pick me up, and he'd say, hey, good job, you went a little further than the last time, and you're okay. You know, I was about to cry, and he said, oh, you're okay. And so I just thought, well, I'm okay. Dad said I am. I can remember when we had a, our first mini bike. My dad, could he can do anything. And so he put a Briggs and Stratton motor on a mini bike frame that he had welded himself. And it had two speeds, off and wide open. <laughs> and I crashed it. I can remember crashing it. And... Uh, Fortunately, I didn't hurt myself. He made us wear a helmet and all that. And uh, I was okay. And 
Dad was there, so things were okay. I can remember when the storm would knock out the power and Mom would say, hey, let's, uh, have, a, let's have a party. Let's get the candles out. And Dad, if it was winter, he'd put a fire in the fireplace. And he always thought he could cook uh, roasted peanuts in the fireplace. He never did it very well. They were always kind of burned, but uh, we would always do something uh, when the power would go out. It was, all, it was okay because my mom and especially my dad, they were there. I can remember when I bought my first car. Actually, a year before, dad said, look, start saving up for your first car now. You're going to want a car a year from now. And whatever you save, I'll match it. And you can buy your first car cash free. And so my first car I bought in 1977, and it was a 1974 Chevrolet Vega. If you remember that car, you know I didn't save much money, all right? Uh, they were little, little Chevrolet, side-mounted aluminum block engine. You couldn't keep oil in them. They kept leaking oil. Uh, had a lot of problems with those cars. There were a lot of them everywhere. And I can remember when we went to buy it. We bought it just about a mile from my home at a used car dealer. Uh, the guy ran a local filling station, had a few used cars on the side. Uh, my dad knew him very well. He had probably, looking back now, worked out the deal in advance. But when we got ready to get out of the truck, he said, now you negotiate the deal. I'm 16. Never done it before. I was nervous, to say the least but I would have been a lot more nervous had my dad not been there. Just something about my dad's presence through the years has made a difference. And can I be honest, even at my age, 29, today, there's still times that it's just better if I could pick up the phone or sit on the back porch for a little while looking down the lake and hear dad's opinion on that, on something that I'm talking about. And I want you to understand that the, the disciples felt that same way about Jesus. They had seen a lot, and they had gone through a lot, but Jesus had always been there with and yes, he was going away, and yes, it was not the same. And I don't think they fully understood it until Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell. But he's trying to explain to them, men, I'll always be with you. The presence, my presence for the mission. I'm going to ask we bow our heads. If you're here this morning, there's never been a time in your life when you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior. This would be the day. This is the day the Lord has made. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. If you're feeling a tugging in your heart, it's not because I'm preaching, it's not because your pastor said something earlier about being saved. The Lord can use those things, but it's because the Holy Spirit, God himself, is 
saying to you, I, I love you and I want you to be saved. And he's drawing you today. Your pastor will be here at the front and he would be thrilled to talk with you in a moment when we sing. Just come and say, Pastor Brad, I want to be a Christian. He'll lead you and help you as you make that decision. Maybe you've been visiting and you need a church home. The Lord has laid on your heart to get involved here. I know they would be thrilled for you to join them and come today and bring your membership to Bryansburg Baptist Church. And we invite you to do that. If you're a Christian today and these reminders have been good to you, maybe God has laid something on your heart. Maybe God is calling you into ministry. Maybe God is calling you to some other task and you want to come and talk to your pastor about it and ask him to pray with you and for you. Or maybe there's something on your heart, something you need to make right, and you know you don't want to leave this morning until that thing is right between you and the Lord. This altar is open. We invite you to come. Come. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this great church. Lord, it's great because you're great. Thank you for the men of God who've served here as pastors through the years, but Thank you for those who've served in other ministerial roles. Thank you for the men and women who have been members, Lord, who've served so faithfully, given so faithfully through the years. This church has a great history. Lord, we pray their very best days are in the future. Will you continue to use this church in a mighty way in this community and around Kentucky and the world, pointing people to Jesus? Would you continue to bless Pastor Brad as he leads? And continue to bless all those who serve and give so faithfully. And now, Father, this is your invitation. We commit it to you. And we pray, Lord, have.